You're listening to Deep North News, the weekly news podcast of Iceland Review, Iceland's longest-running English-language magazine. I'm Andy Sophia Fontaine, and these are the week's top stories in Iceland. First up, the fate of Grindavik still hangs in the balance. As reported, a pair of eruptions on Sunday, January 14th, did extensive damage to the infrastructure of the town, located on the southern coast of Reykjanes Peninsula. Mercifully, the town of about 3,600 people had been evacuated the day before, but lava and seismic activity burned down three homes, caused widespread crevasses, and set off repeated interruptions to water and electricity. Following the dying down of the eruptions, the persistent question on many people's minds remained. What is the government planning to do to help? Most Earth scientists in Iceland believe the Reykjanes Peninsula is entering a new phase of volcanic activity, and both earthquakes and eruptions alike have threatened Grindavik. On Monday, January 22nd, the government announced that it was considering buying out the properties of those Grindavik residents who wanted to move. The final details are still being sorted. For example, some Grindavik residents have asked if the government will provide financial assistance for those who opt to stay in town so that they can manage the interest on their housing loans. Prime Minister Katrin Jakobsdottir said that this is one other measure being considered. A bill on the issue is expected in early February. Meanwhile, workers have been toiling around the clock to make the town safer and livable again. This has included fixing electrical and plumbing problems, getting cold and hot water into the town, which is also used for heating, and clearing away newly cooled lava. Calling it cooled lava is arguably a misnomer, in a way. It's still some 700 degrees Celsius. The cost of whatever financial assistance the government finalizes is likely to be in the tens of billions ISK. And this figure has already been used in a seemingly unrelated issue, collective bargaining. A coalition of labor unions were in talks with the Confederation of Icelandic Enterprise, which is an organization that represents management in Iceland. These negotiations cover a number of issues, from pay rises to the length of contracts. Talks had been slow going, but not overly contentious, and neither side was talking about sending the matter to arbitration at the state conciliation and mediation officer. That is, until Monday the 22nd, when Minister of Foreign Affairs and former Minister of Finance, Bjarni Benediksson, said on the roundtable news discussion show Silverith that union leaders should temper their demands in light of the situation in Grindavik. That is, that management could not be as flexible as the unions might want due to the amount of money Grindavik residents could be paid. Union leaders were quick to respond, with Ragnathor Ingolson, director of the labor union Vafer, calling these remarks tasteless, saying that worker demands were small change within the big picture. Solveig Anna Jonsdottir, the director of the labor union Epling, added that these negotiations concerned some 115,000 people, or roughly 73% of Iceland's workforce. Management changed course shortly thereafter, and the matter has been referred to state arbitration. Gatney Benediksson was also one of the focal points of protests held in front of Parliament last Monday, January 22nd. The previous Friday, he had made a lengthy Facebook post condemning the presence of a tent in front of Parliament. This tent, called the Solidarity Tent, was erected last December 27th by Palestinians in Iceland and their allies as a form of peaceful protest. Their demands were, and continue to be, that the government make good on its policy of family reunification. That is, the policy where someone granted international protection in Iceland may also bring their family over to have the same protection. As many of the Palestinian family members are currently trapped in Gaza, 
They have asked the Icelandic government for help, but Minister of Justice Gudrun Hafsteinsdóttir has said that the government is not obliged to provide this kind of assistance. The protesters have also called for an end to deportations of Palestinian asylum seekers and for a meeting with the relevant government ministers. In Bjarni Benediksson's Facebook post, he called the site of the Solidarity Tent a tragedy and called for increased police powers and tighter border restrictions. Mayor of Reykjavik, Einar Thorsteinsson, pointed out that these protesters not only had the right to peacefully assemble and protest, they also had a permit for the tent, which was set to expire on January 24th. Bjarni Benediksson's remarks were not well received by many, and a protest of hundreds of Icelanders turned out at Parliament the following Monday. Police were called out at one point, but they saw no cause to intervene in the demonstration. Refugee and asylum seeker assistance NGO Solaris went so far as to say that the minister's statement could very well fall under Iceland's hate speech laws, which Bjartney dismissed, saying that people can have differences of opinion in a democratic society. While the protesters have filed for an extension of their permit, this was not granted, and so the tent was taken down. However, organizers have vowed that peaceful protests in front of parliament will continue until their demands are met. If a bill set to be introduced to parliament in the coming days is passed into law, Iceland may soon have some new restrictions on the books when it comes to the use of AI. To understand the impetus for this idea, you should know a little bit about Automotoskypeth. Automotoskypeth, or Skypeth for short, is a lengthy sketch comedy program aired on state broadcaster Ruv on New Year's Eve, typically satirizing the top news stories of the past year. Last New Year's Skypeth included a sketch starring beloved Icelandic entertainer Hermann Gunnarsson, who had passed away in 2013. His likeness had been recreated with AI. This sketch has sparked a heated discussion in Iceland on the use of AI, and Pirate Party MP Björn Levi Gunnarsson told reporters that he plans to introduce a bill on the subject. And not just because of Skypeth either, but also because of the use of AI in spreading misinformation in the US and the UK. As such, his bill would, if passed, make it law that the reuse of material that one could presume is real whether we're talking about images, video, sound, or other media, would not be permitted without the express consent of the individual in question or their immediate associates if the individual is deceased. Eurovision is another beloved institution in Iceland, but this year it's moving in a new direction due to the conflict in Gaza. There have been repeated and concerted calls for Iceland to withdraw from Eurovision due to Israel's scheduled participation. Instead, national broadcasting company Ruv has opted to separate Sungva Kepnin, that is, Iceland's own song contest for who will represent the country at Eurovision, from Eurovision itself. This year, Sungva Kepnin will go on as usual, but once Icelanders have voted for the winner, that winner will, in consultation with Ruv, decide whether or not Iceland will be participating in Eurovision. Critics have said that this decision places undue pressure on a performing artist, but who will be participating in the contest has not even been finalized yet. That is due to happen this Saturday, with Sungva Kepnin itself happening in March. All laying hens in Iceland are now free of cages, following a regulation that was first put in place in 2015 and delayed many times since then. The regulation was introduced to be in keeping with European regulations on poultry, but delays persisted due to some egg farmers not making the change in time. Interestingly, the regulation allows for two options, the so-called enriched cage, which provides 750 square centimeters of space per hen, 
or alternative systems where the density does not exceed nine hens per square meter. Either way, all hens are to be provided with a nest, perching space, litter to allow pecking and scratching, and unrestricted access to a feed trough and drinking device. Despite the option to switch to bigger cages, Brigitte Bugger, who is a veterinary officer for poultry diseases at the Icelandic Food and Veterinary Authority, told Iceland Review that Icelandic farmers have simply opted to forego cages altogether. This does not mean Icelandic laying hens are wandering about under an open sky, however. They are still housed indoors. Only organic laying hens go outside, and even then, safeguards are put in place to protect them from parasites, disease, and predators. Finally in the news, start saving up now because Iceland will experience its next total solar eclipse on August 12th of 2026. This may seem like a ways off, but consider the following. It is estimated that the best place to see the eclipse will be at Lauterbjörg, which is the very westernmost tip of the Westfjords in northwest Iceland. This is because it's also the westernmost tip of Iceland itself, and so the eclipse will be in its totality for the longest amount of time there. Thousands of people travel the world to catch total eclipses, and Lauterbjörg is fairly off the beaten track. Because of this, Pirate Party MP Andres Inge Jonsson has already submitted a formal question to the Minister of the Interior regarding what plans are in place to handle the sudden influx of people, especially bearing in mind that August is a pretty busy month for tourism as it is. Even if you can't get to Lauterbjörg, take heart you will still get to experience the total solar eclipse on that day in Iceland from pretty much anywhere in West Iceland, including the capital area, but you would probably do well to try and view it from somewhere without much light pollution. Mark your calendar, the next total solar eclipse in Iceland won't happen again until 2196. Next on Deep North News, the weather this weekend. Friday is going to be a cold, cloudy day with brisk winds and snowfall across much of the south of the country. That snow will move west as the day goes on, with skies clearing up in the east by the evening. Those conditions will persist into Saturday, albeit with slightly stronger winds, reaching into the double digits in terms of meters per second, but that should calm down by Sunday morning. Sunday will again be cold and cloudy for all of the country except for the northeast, with snowfall for most of the western half of the country. As for road conditions, bear in mind that the highlands are closed for the season, so don't try driving up there unless you're in a glacier tour group with the right vehicles for the job. Also, most of the ring road is fairly slippery right now, with the exception of the southeast of the country. For all your weather and road condition needs, you should visit weather.is and road.is respectively, but also add safetravel.is to that list. Through Safe Travel, you can get up-to-the-minute updates on conditions all over the country, whether we're talking about weather, natural disasters, or other variables. Save yourself time, money, and trouble by checking weather.is, road.is, and safetravel.is before heading out anywhere in Iceland. And that's all from me today here at Deep North News. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and while you're at it, Check out IcelandReview.com for more of the latest from Iceland in travel, news, culture, and more. Speak to you again next Friday, folks. Be good to each other.